بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay, <clears throat> so continuing along of our study of Al-Fatiha, which will then lead to Ali Imran, inshallah. <clears throat> so, let's come back to the whiteboard. And once again, please let me know you can see the whiteboard on the screen. Someone nod or something. Or even if you're lying. Okay, very good. Yes. So, so with minimal repetition of what we've discussed before, uh, our focus yesterday was on getting close to Allah, developing connection with Allah by way of a couple of, of approaches. So, with Allah. One step is by way of the names. And we've given we've been given a couple of names to start with, which we spoke about yesterday, the name Allah. We talked about the history of the name as well as using it, considering it as a contraction to get a touch uh, on the meaning. And then two other names, Rahman and Rahim. And and so the a question that I posed for our consideration yesterday was that imagine if instead of two huge references to Rahmah, that instead we had Al-Adl, and, and so the just, and if that was the default relationship that Allah had with creation, it still sounds completely fair. But the default relationship or understanding is this relationship of Rahmah. Of course, Khaliq. Creator might be even prior to to the establishment of Rahma or the establishment or the fact of our creation itself might be a manifestation of his Rahma. The point is that of all the different attributes, Rahma is one of the most repeated of them all. And, and so what is the point of getting to know Allah by way of his names? You can't point somewhere, I'm using the word point. You can't stick your finger somewhere and say, hey, there is Allah, there is Allah, obviously, right? You can you can point to something, there is a sign of Allah, or there's a creation of Allah. So you can't really point to the cause, you can point to the effect. And, and so an approach that we have been given to get to know Allah is by way of his names. Now there's a difference in terms of the, the theological schools regarding the meaning of the names. So yesterday I focused more on the grammatical meanings of these names, but you'll find two really big schools. One school, which is more of the Mu'tazila school, this you don't need to remember those terms, is that Allah has given us intellect. And then when he's giving us these names, we understand what these names mean, and then thus they help us to understand Allah. So that's the first school, which sounds like it makes sense. The second school, which is the general Sunni school, is that we have an intellect, okay, just like the first school, and we try to understand these names as a way to try to understand that all the relationship Allah has with us, except that only Allah knows the true meaning of these names. So what is the fundamental difference between these two different approaches? One is saying 
meaning the second school is saying that the true meaning of these names only Allah knows. And thus, using our intellect, we can try to understand the relationship that Allah has with us. And then the first goal is we have an intellect, we've been given an intellect, especially when we put our intellects together, we can understand what these names mean as a way to understand Allah Ta'ala. Okay. For our purposes, either one you use is fine. But the second one is generally the, the, the standard, for lack of a better term, standard is not a good word, the majority commonly use Sunni opinion. Uh, understanding the names of Allah. Okay, so why do those two uh, types of thought uh, diverge? Essentially, these are as schools of theology. Theology schools themselves are academic speculation. So we said aqidah is focused on figuring out what is concrete in the unseen that I have to believe. And so, for example, you won't see, uh, well, I won't make a couple of but things that I have to believe. But when we get into the schools of Usuluddin, we get into schools of Kalam, they are essentially academic speculation. Using the source material and then trying to derive a further opinions from the source material, trying to extrapolate other opinions. And so you're gonna have different, different schools of interpretation. I mean, these are two out of perhaps a hundred. These are the two big ones, especially as relevant to us. Does that make sense? Okay, so as we go through Al-Fatiha, we have a number of other methods through which to develop connection with Allah. And even though I'm numbering these, I'm, I'm numbering these more out of convenience as opposed to order of priority. And so another one that we introduced yesterday was the approach of Hamd. Then another one is the approach of Ibadah. And another one is the approach of Isti'an. So the approach of Hamd is praise and gratitude. And I believe yesterday I raised the question, fundamentally, why do we do Hamd of Allah? And correct answers include because of all the things he's done, because of his greatness and all those things. Fundamentally, we do hamd of Allah because he is Allah. Just because he is Allah, he is worthy of all praise. And and uh, for me, that's actually a fun concept to, to, to think about as opposed to try to make sense. Okay, why, why, why? It's uh, uh, just the fact of Allah's greatness the fact of his existence, for lack of a better term, I mean, he's above this word existence. Uh, he is worthy of all praise and gratitude. And then we had some mention of other attributes. He's the rub of all the worlds. And we're gonna to touch on this a little bit today, inshallah. And then again, he's ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim. So notice the point that I'm making here is that the repetition is sort of a repetition of Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. If we look at Al-Fatiha and we see that we're reciting Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, it's repeated. One point we can take is that this is emphasis. So contrast that with if it said, um, Bismillah al-Jabbar al-Qahar, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, al-Jabbar al-Qahar. 
right? Jabbar, the one whose will cannot be stopped. Qahar, the one who subdues. Much more frightening. Those are some of his attributes. Or, Bismillah, Al-Adl, Al-Adl, right? Just, 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 just. And again, what is being repeated? Rahma, 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 Rahma. So at one level, it's an emphasis. But when you look at these two different sections of Al-Fatiha, first reference to Al-Fatiha is the names to get to know as you're getting to know Allah. Second reference to Al-Fatiha in Al-Fatiha of these names is that these are also expressions of Hamd. So when you are calling Allah Ar-Rahman, you are also praising Him. You understand the subtle difference? One usage is just to know the name. Second usage is to praise. So when you are when you are using any of the names of Allah, by extension, you are also praising Him, because the vast majority of the names is speaking of Allah in the superlative. He is most merciful. He is eternally merciful. He is most noble. He is most generous. So forth and so on. So by definition, it's already praise. Now let's talk a little bit about, and in fact, I'm going to add Maliki Yomadin here. Sometimes we can speak of Malik as its own way of getting close to Allah. Okay, sorry. Already, let me clean this up a little bit really quickly. So while I'm typing this, we have this word rub, and some of you might remember the detailed definition we gave to the word rub before. So anybody remember the long detailed definition from, from courses in the past? Hans, do you remember? Anyone? That which brings uh, you from immaturity <clears throat> to maturity according to your unique design. MashaAllah, excellent. So truth or truth duck wins wins the points. So so Rab, which is commonly translated as Lord, and that is still correct, right? Especially in, in contemporary Arabic usage. Okay. Literally, it is one who takes you you from maturity, immaturity to maturity according to your unique design. And so, and so Jewel is correct in the sense of the closest simplification that I can think of for this is nurturer. Okay. But what is the point you take from here? I made the point yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, that when we speak of Allah as Ar-Rahim, we're saying he has a unique relationship of Rahma with you that is different than his relationship of Rahma with me. So for example, in the case of, of Allah's uh, relationship of Rahmah uh, with Nabil, it's unique compared to his relationship of Rahmah with Hadia, which is different than his relationship of Rahmah with Yasmin. And at the same time with each person, he is giving you 100% focus. And everything that happens to you, none of it is arbitrary. Everything that happens to you is designed specifically for you as an expression, as a manifestation of his rahmah. So think about what else that means. Okay? It means that if something is happening to me, it was supposed to happen. 
which then should affect my anger. And if something is happening, if something is not happening, it was supposed to not happen. That is not Allah being absent. This especially applies for istikhara, because so many people come to me and say, I've done istikhara, and I don't feel like I'm getting an answer. Well, then that's your answer. Go either way. So, when we are speaking of Rabb, we are making a similar point, that in the same way he has a unique relationship of Rahma with you, that he is taking each and every one of us and every single piece of each and every one of us through its full life journey from start to finish. So even saying that Allah Ta'ala gives you 100% focus, 100% attention, even that sounds insignificant compared to the type of attention that Allah Ta'ala is giving each of us. And so I'm saying even the math can't really express it if you say 100%. So Al-Alamin, and again, this is just more on the definition side. There's a couple of theories that we find in terms of what do we mean by Al-Alamin. One is all the realms of the angels, the jinns, the humans. Another is all the realms of knowledge. And of course, I always like to raise that question, and I'll raise it again this year. How many of you believe that there's aliens on other planets, intelligent life on other planets? And by intelligent life, I don't mean loyal undergrad level of intelligence. I'm talking about actual intelligent life. What do you all think? People raising uh, thumbs up. Awesome says yes, Hazel says yes, Asha says no, Muthab says yes. Okay. And so those of you who have a Quran translation in front of you, or you can go online really quickly, mashallah, look at how many of you are prepared. Go to Surat Al-Anbiya, Surah 21, and go to, I, uh, I believe it's 107, yes, 107. So Surah 21, Ayah 107. Uh, Neil, are you driving while you're in class? Okay. So, we did not send you except as Rahmah for all the worlds. What are we saying here? That Allah Ta'ala is telling the Prophet, peace be upon him, that you are Rahma for all the worlds, meaning if there is life on other planets, if there is intelligent life on other planets, the Prophet is a mercy for them, not just for us. And we have not yet started talking about the Prophet right now. We're only introducing the Prophet. But a point I'd like you to consider is that of all the different ways that Allah manifests his mercy upon us, Perhaps the number one manifestation of Allah's mercy for all of us is the Prophet. Peace be upon him. Keep that idea as a seed to think about for now. So in addition to your consciousness, in addition to your existence, in addition to the, be able to breathe and all that stuff, the primary manifestation of Allah's rahmah on your life and my life may be the Prophet himself. Which is another point that is really fun to think about but really try to seriously consider what that means. Okay. Okay, awesome. Translation says creatures. Okay, mashallah. All right. Creatures of all the worlds. So Allah is the nourisher of every single thing in all the different worlds. And again, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And an expression of 
Hamdavim is that of the day of judgment, he is the master. Now, here's a question. Is he not master of this world? Isn't he? Obviously, he is. So what can we infer from the fact that Allah is speaking of himself as master of the day of judgment, as opposed to master of dunya and the master of akhirah? Thoughts, reflections? Maybe he gave uh, he gave human beings like some agency in this world, but we won't have that same agency or authority in the on the day of judgment. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, Jewel's saying that my sound is is having problems. Are you all having the same problem? You are okay. Uh, Better? Is it any better? Yes, no? Okay. Okay. So so back to uh, Adnan's point. Yeah, that in dunya, I have the option to not regard Allah as the master. In dunya, I have the ability to disobey Allah. In the day of judgment, I will not even have the ability to speak ex except when Allah in that moment gives me the ability to speak. And so regarding Allah as Malik is also a hamd of Allah. So what do we say now? One way to get to know Allah is, is by his names. But for some people, that might be too intellectual and too abstract. A second way is by way of praise. So what am I illustrating here? That those of you who are familiar with love languages, these are connection to Allah languages. Okay, someone want to tell the rest of us, how about one of you, the therapist, want to tell the rest of us uh, what is uh, our love languages? You guys talk. Don't be bashful. I'll go. Um, I guess the best way or a way to, to say what love languages are, are essentially like the way in which people like to be shown care or that they're loved. So there's like five kind of major types that Gary Chapman talks about, um, which are like words of affirmation, which means like you like to be, well, I think they're self-explanatory. So words of affirmation, gifts, um, acts of service, physical touch and quality time. And I think the, pro the, the point you're probably going to make is that like, this is Allah's um, love language is like being, well, actually I don't know what the point you're gonna make, but as <laughs> Are, that's love language. So, yeah, so thank you for that, uh, Ramya, formerly known as Truth Duck. Okay, so, so the point is, as Ramya mentioned, that when it comes to our personal interactions, right, uh, each of us actually likes to, needs to receive love in particular ways. So for one person, they like to receive gifts. Second person doesn't care about gifts, they need to hear what nice words. Third person doesn't care about gifts or nice words, they need to do things, so forth and so on. Now, what I'm suggesting here in this list that we're seeing on the screen, that for us in seeking to connect, seeking connection to Allah, one of these might work better for you than others. And so on the one hand, I'm giving four ways to connect to Allah. And all of these, if you can do all of them, that's fantastic. 
but you might find that one actually works better for you in your own design than some of the other ones. So for some people, it's an intellectual process by way of getting to know the names. For the next person, that may not be as appealing. Okay, you know, these are the names, alhamdulillah, you know, but I know Allah. And then, but the second person might actually need to praise Allah, and that's how they get closer to Allah. They need to express gratitude. Which might be a hint of the next homework assignment. The third person needs to actually know, tell me what I need to do. And then we defined ibadah as giving your most extreme love. And so I just need to have focus on how I'm supposed to live my life. So guide me on what I need to do. And then the fourth person, what is isti'an? Seeking help. This person their primary way of connecting to Allah Ta'ala is saying, please help me. So if you find one of these four to be more appealing for you, Alhamdulillah. And then try to do really well in that one. And then if you can try to expand on these other ways to have this connection with Allah or something that becomes more comprehensive in terms of your life experience. So for example, in terms of seeking help, we are taught that the dua is the bone marrow of the believer. Meaning the essence of being a believer is seeking help from Allah. And then we're also taught in another narration that, so here we have Tharth and Nuthal, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, is quoting Allah saying, I love nothing more than when my servant does the fara'id, the obligatory acts. And then as the, as the servant does the voluntary acts, the servant gets closer and closer to me until I become the eyes with which they see in the ears with which they hear, so forth and so on. And then on top of that, even in every prayer, what is every prayer? It's effectively, it's hamd of Allah. So evaluate yourself to see which one of these is most effective for you as a doorway to get closer to Allah. So Malahat is asking, is Ibadah worldly bound, meaning we are performing Ibadah while we are alive? Yes. Um, see if you can give a scenario uh, uh, where it would continue after we die. And so we have that narration of the three things that stay with you after you die. And the, this is the hadith that everybody quotes at fundraising dinners and then everybody quotes at, at, uh, at funerals. And, and so... Would those count as ibadah? Officially, not really, but they're still generating good for you, right? You know, uh, you leave upright children who pray for you, you sadaqah jariyah, and then you, uh, meaning a charity that is still giving good, and then something that you write that other people are benefiting from. So the prophecies, prophets, uh, so other prophets praying in their graves. Ah, the prophets are a different level. They are a whole different level of, of, of human being. I mean, to, you want to make things really fun? Um, uh, there's also a belief that all the prophets, they do Hajj every year. 
Yeah, so I'll let you have fun thinking about that. <laughs> so they're at a completely different level than the rest of us mere mortals. Okay. <laughs> Any questions about connections with a law? So still have more to cover, but homework. Those of you who have known me for a while, you have received this homework assignment 600,000 times. And so those of you who are asking for homework and who do not do this, I still do this assignment, is the gratitude assignments. You're nodding, yeah, 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 I do it, or yeah, I'm supposed to. I'll start in 10 years. Okay, so what is the gratitude uh, assignment? Uh, Number one, so let's go with five. Uh, each day, list out five things in your life that you could, should, or are be grateful for. Anything. Yeah. Number two, once you've made your list of five, five from within yourself, say Alhamdulillah for each one. And a way to think about this is suppose you're looking at your day from, from earlier today and you have, okay, I had Suhoor and then I had Muzaffar's class, then I had Iftar, and then I studied for Muzaffar's class, and then I did the homework for Muzaffar's class. So let's say for each one, you're actually remembering yourself in the situation. Okay. So you're putting yourself back in Suhoor when you had your half a glass of water, and you're saying, and then you're reminding yourself of being in this class and you're saying, Alhamdulillah. Okay, so step one, write out the five. Step two, Alhamdulillah for each one. And step three, make the dua in Surah Al-Ahqaf for each one. Surah 46, Ayah 15, Rabbi Awzi'ni and Ashkura, and so on. And, and so all the assignments that I give you all, these are assignments that I give myself and these are assignments that I've given people. These are field tested. If you can do this on a regular basis, regular basis means you try to get seven days a week, but obviously you're going to miss days here and there. Then in six to nine months, you will see massive changes in your outlook. So these are like small doses that are being added to slowly shift the needle of your brain. And if you delay it, you're lost. Okay, uh, Rossi's question. What is a good way to find out which of these four connections works for us? Do them all and you'll find one or more of these gives you more pleasure. Now keep in mind, when I'm speaking of ibadah, I'm saying we already have to do the things that are mandatory, like the five pillars. And of the five pillars, primarily it's the daily prayers and for example, fasting. What I'm actually speaking about is the nuffle. It's extra prayer. And Okay, uh, Hazel, I don't understand either of your two questions. Yeah, you basically answered it. So basically reading Quran would go under Nuffle. Yes, exactly. And so so recitation of the Quran, memorization of the Quran, that would be under Nuffle. And so, yeah, so so Ahan, to, to your uh, question, uh, try each of these. Uh, I think, like, here's an exercise you can all do is think of all the currencies you have. One currency you have is money, which goes up and down, okay, which you can give in donation if you have the capacity to do so, okay, separate from the zakat. And then 
Another currency you have is the currency of time, which as you know, is only going down. You can't get time back. So do you find joy in giving time to others? Another currency is dua. And how much dua you have is entirely up to you. And so any moment you come across anyone who can benefit from your dua, obviously including yourself, make a real quick dua for them. Even though this is a person you may never ever see again, it might be somebody on the bus, it might be somebody that you happen to be walking by. Now don't necessarily do this as an escape from doing other things for them, but the point is, you know, you're in class and I'm seeing all these people who actually look less miserable than they did yesterday. So, you know, yell out to let me get, you know, please give them more energy. Bam. We're also taught that the prayers you do for your brother or sister is granted. So try that as well. Uh, Rossi, AKA Ahant, you are raising your hand. Question. Uh, yeah. Um, so in terms of the gratitude exercise, um, you know, I often find that if you save to write the five things down, like at the end of the day, you may forget after a long day. Is there like a variation of this like you would suggest to, to perform like, uh, like throughout the day, such as the, uh, the like, you know, making dua for other people? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so a lot of this just becomes the process of making it a habit. So for me, uh, when I open up Google Chrome, those of you who've seen my Google Chrome, literally like 20 windows open up. That's part of my, my Google Chrome setting. And the second, first one is my Google Drive. The second one is literally my daily gratitude list. That's what works for me because I spend 90% of my day looking at the screen, burning out my eyes, right? Which then leads to the law and everything. And so, so if it is too hard, oh, I forgot to give you part four of the exercise. I'll give you the easy parts. Part one, make a list of five. Part two, alhamdulillah for each. Part three, make the dua for each. Everybody, anybody remember part four? Not repeating the same ones again? You cannot repeat uh, any of the ones you've used before. And that's when the exercise will really start being painful on your brain and it'll start really start giving benefit. Okay, if that is too hard to do, because you know you can't just find a time of day to do it, whether it's at the morning or in the evening or something, you know, or you don't really work well with to-do lists, then just try to make it a habit on your tongue that you keep looking at things, saying Alhamdulillah. Okay, naturally, Ahant, don't look at women you're not married to saying Alhamdulillah. Look at your wife and say Alhamdulillah. He, he just got married, mashallah, about two months ago. So, so naturally be careful about who or what you look at when you're saying Alhamdulillah. But just try to keep Alhamdulillah on your tongue and see if that works. Make sense? Yeah. Very good. All right. We had, we're already at 31. Um, okay, maybe actually we'll just stop here. And then we will get into uh, these number three and number four in a little bit more detail, inshallah. Does anyone have any questions about any of this? Do you feel like you, you need to do more learning today to feel satisfied or you've got enough learning done? Oh, the link from yesterday. Let me give that to you. Uh, so all of the recordings I will upload to this Google page.
stupid words. Sitting here, internet. Link is this. Okay, uh, so on that Google Doc, I will post the links as well as all the whiteboards. Uh, of everything. And those of you who are in both classes, hopefully you've noticed by now that this week at least, the material is almost uh, uh, almost identical. Uh, for the people from the Bakra class last year, what is the crucial thing we should carry over to this class heading into Ali Imran? Uh, so, so one point to think about is that Al-Bakra and Ali Imran in some ways, as I'll illustrate, are parallels to each other but they are two different languages. And, and so they are speaking of two different uh, overlapping universes. And we'll see that as we go in. And so really try to look at Al-Baqarah and Ali Imran almost as one part of your brain, left brain, other is right brain. And, and so uh, uh, that you'll find to be part of the process of Al-Baqarah. Uh, any other questions about any of the material from today? Nothing? Nothing at all? Okay, what would you say is the language of Surah Al-Baqarah? So in a simple sense, Al-Baqarah focuses much more on the external, and Ali Imran focuses much more on the internal. One of the points we'll be observing is that law, contrary to how we teach in Sunday school, <clears throat> tends to be very flexible. Islamic spirituality tends to be very strict. We would imagine it to be the other way around, but it tends to be this way. Any other questions about any of this? I will also say that pretty soon the two, uh, the two classes are going to be working at two different speeds as well. Uh, even with Al-Fatiha, just because of the nature of the questions and such. No other questions? Nothing at all? Okay. And then, inshallah, we will stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. Wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude to you. Nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. We bear witness there is no God but you. We seek your forgiveness and we turn to you. Okay, may Allah reward you all, inshallah. And we'll see you tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.